0: Welcome to the Digital From Day One podcast. Our aim is to build a bridge by creating content that will pique interest, spark conversations, and encourage further innovations that will ultimately build a more informed and prepared pipeline of learners headed for the 21st century workforce. Hi, my name is Brendan Dickerson and joining me as always is Joelle Nelson. Today, we'll be listening to our part two discussion, addressing black and underserved populations and technology related career paths through education with TechCourse National Executive Director, Lisa Chambers. Lisa, thanks so much for taking time to speak with us today. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thanks for having me.
2: Great. You know, I was I was reading uh, one of your interview you had done with Com, I believe it was ComSpark. A while ago, you were talking about, you know, we, we kind of uh, do a disservice by not introducing the, the concept of careers and talking about careers early on. And that's kind of what you were, were getting at in your, your response there. The other question I wanted to layer on top of that uh, in, in terms of equity in the classroom, because... Along with this COVID-19 experience, um, came layered on top of that is a deeper dive into equity and inclusion and things of that nature sparked by a number of different things. But I mean, I think the benefit right now, of course, has been what has sparked from it and the hope that it will go further than it has in the past. And education is no stranger to many of the challenges Uh, related to uh, equity and inclusion, particularly with urban school districts and students of color, uh, underserved populations, things of that nature. Technology also has its own challenges with equity and inclusion and things of that nature, particularly with underserved populations and so on and so forth. There's an opportunity, I believe, and I, I feel that you believe the same thing, there's opportunity between the two married together to build on top of that but it has to get into the individual classroom first, right? What are your thoughts on that uh, in terms of uh, equity in the classroom, uh, tech tools and resources being available and more available so that students have the access and the familiarity needed to then know, hey, these are options for me when I get out into the workplace?
1: Some good stuff there, Joel. Um, so I think in some ways, um, we have been distracted by the tools and, and often confused by what they mean, especially in some of our schools where there are a lot black and brown students. So we focus so much on wiring our buildings and then getting computers, getting devices in the schools um, as if that was all we had to do right? And so that's what we did. <laughs> we spent a lot of money across this country on, on getting computers into classrooms and then, you know, a second wave and now we're one-to-one. And, but if kids are just using devices to type or to take tests, then what have we really done? And so I think, and so I say this a lot to the parents that I talk to, is when you walk into your school, your child's school. And you see the computer lab, you know, because everybody likes to point out, look at our STEM center or our computer lab. and We've got the latest and greatest. And now we've got all of these Chromebooks. The next question, that's great. And then the next question is, so tell me more about what students are learning with these tools. So because if it's for drill and kill, then OK, but there's so much more. Right. And I think um, And Dr. Uh, Jay Margolis out of UCLA does a lot of great uh, work around this. Is that when you look at our black and brown, where our black and brown students are kind of concentrated in our schools, they have much lower end access around technology, right? And technology learning. So in a lot of our our schools, you might have $1,000 a piece devices. But if you're just teaching kids how to use Microsoft Office, then we're training another generation of kids to become consumers and users, right? We need to say what type of computer science courses are we teaching, what, and then what type of math courses are we also teaching, right? Because my friends at Cleveland State, we had a great conversation around computer science and math, and if we ain't doing it together, you know, we ain't doing it. And so, but I'll I'll stay in my lane and think about talking about computer science, but. So I think those are the things that I want us to do a better job of asking, you know, those questions is, is, so we've got this stuff, but what are we doing with it? How are we pushing kids out of that consumer and user mindset into becoming creators and developers? So that's the one thing. The other thing that I think is so important about our schools and what I worry about a lot with our kids, because I was this kid, right, is that as we get older, especially if we stay in the same system, we start to get typecast. And I remember a couple of years ago, I was at Case Western in a meeting with these folks talking about the work we were doing with, um, in Cleveland. And one of my high school teachers walked in who worked at Case Western now. And she said, when I saw your name, I couldn't imagine that you were gonna be the one that would be here having this conversation. I can't imagine that you're running an organization that you are because in her mind, she had decided who I was and it wasn't someone that would be working in STEM or in tech. I mean, (laughs) and I had been in high school in a long time, but that was who she had decided that I was. And so sometimes I think with, with teachers, we start to decide who kids are. And so even those kids who get invited into those classes or who don't get invited because someone has decided who they are or who they are not that's the other thing that we got to check you know and parents have to be involved in that but teachers we gotta we gotta think about that too and i i just you know so i don't know if i answered your your question joelle but
2: no no it is <laughs> really still
1: it, my passion
2: <laughs> yes yes and i think it is interesting right because i think i looked in looking more into your background, right? Your your background is marketing, uh, if if I'm not mistaken. Correct, it, or that's where you started.
1: I started on journalism.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know, trying to um, reach a critical mass with um, with a with a concept or a message or whatnot is kind of part of what you kind of how you started. So now we and it kind of going a little bit back to the conversation we were having around you know, the current response to COVID and things of that nature, right? So in, in schools, they were providing the technology, but not the conceptual pieces behind it to kind of get students to transfer from consumers to developers and things of that nature. Now we have a situation where if they're at home, there may be a, a challenge because, you know, in order to deliver the right content and so on and so forth, Everybody has a Chromebook or so on all these kind of things. But there's even another layer, right, which is access to Wi Fi, right, uh, things of that nature. So how is there is there a challenge there with, you know, or is that something that tech Corp is thinking about and is there branches of the work that you're all doing that is saying, "Hey, how do we? Yes, we want to get this content to those who can get it, but then we also want to make more access points for more students as we go along."
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I think I have two two things, right? So us developing those TechCore Unplug kits, I think you know, when we think about, there are lots of ways to teach kids about computer. Because right, computer science isn't just coding, right? And we want to make sure that we're, we're helping kids to understand that as well. And so part of that is saying, okay, let's completely remove the computer, <laughs> right? And, and help people see how they can learn about computer science without their computer. Um, so, so that's one thing. The other thing, Joelle, because I want to make sure the teachers that are listening understand that I'm, I'm in no way bashing teachers. The other thing that we've got to do a better job of in this country, part of the reason that we're not teaching computer science in our schools equitably is because we are not training our teachers to teach it. We're not supporting our teachers in gaining the skills that they need to teach computer science in a way that is rigorous and connected to learning outcomes and fun. So one of the things that TechCorp um, and partner organization called the Teaching and Learning Collaborative, which is a nonprofit organization, Uh, that is also headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio, and does amazing work around professional development for teachers in the areas of science, math, and technology, we received a a math-science partnership grant a number of years ago. And with that, we looked at specifically computers, what was happening with computer science in this country, you know, what were kind of some of the trends. And so if you look at it, we're teaching computer science much more at the high school level um, than we are in K-8. And so why is that? Well, it's a little bit easier to teach computer science at the high school level, right? And it can be very contained. When you start thinking about how our K-8 education system is set up, especially at the elementary school level, you've got one teacher who teaches your kids everything. So they're not going to be, the opportunity for them to be a specialist in everything is extremely limited. And so we thought if we see most of the computer science classes that are being taught are being, in the U.S. are being taught at high school level, if we look at those classes and we see those classes aren't diverse, what's going on? Well, the research tell us because we've already lost the kids, right, who would end up in that class. So we decided that we wanted to develop curriculum and some PD that was focused on third and fourth grade teachers because of, again, that fourth grade drop off point, that being such a transformational point around mathematics. And we also said teaching computer science in elementary school is going to look extremely different than it looks at high school. We're not going to turn elementary school teachers, you know, we're not going to have them teaching Java, right, uh, to a group that that's not what this is about. And then going to the fact that we also know that math is a critical component. And so to do one without the other doesn't work. So we looked at in the state of Ohio specifically, because we were developing for here first, we looked at where were some of the areas on the math assessment that kids seemed to be struggling the most. And so it was around uh, fractions and algorithmic thinking. And so we decided to focus in on some of those areas and build out what has now become a curriculum that fuses mathematics and computer science. And so a teacher who was using one tool to teach fractions can now use this curriculum, which also embeds programming and robotics, and so stuff that gets kids really excited. And so now we have kids who are walking into classrooms who are saying, is it E for Tech Day? Which really means, is it Math Day? Right? And I love it, right? And so the research that we did um, with the teachers who had gone through this PD showed that their students had statistically significant gains on their math scores than teachers whose kids did not go through that program. So I think I want to make sure we're doing a better job and we're investing more in preparing our teachers so that then that whole question around access and and equity, if we say this is something that all kids do, not just gifted and talented, not just an after-school program, and you know I love informal ed, but when we say all kids that means it has to happen in school what happened in school that means we have to support our teachers and that's what we still have some work to do around
0: that's great and can you just elaborate a little bit more on you know i guess For instance, you know some different I guess programs a little bit the course I guess does in the summertime or in the fall because one of the things that we even see at OSU within some of the work that Joel and I do is uh, students will come up and and state you know I'm a business major how does technology uh, really going to affect what I do in the future or I'm a, a biology or these different you know type of majors that they really don't see the connection but technology is really going to interface with all different careers going forward and it's like how can keep these students engaged not only you know in that moment but sustaining sustaining it over a period of time as well too yeah i mean especially in a community such as ours right where technology is hidden when we think about
1: our technology companies here in in central ohio they're hidden behind finance and insurance and state government um but i Don't know if you've ever heard, but Jamie Dimon refers to Chase as a technology company, not a banking institution. And so I think young people, while they have had a piece of technology in their hands, I think most kids in the U.S., it's by 18 months, (laughs) you know, that they've been interfacing with some piece of technology. Adults, we still have not done a good job of talking about the industry in a way that is connecting for kids. Which I think is also part of the challenge that we have around having enough kids. Um, think about this, because Brendan, there is so much of a, a connection. You can love fashion and and do something in tech. You can love cooking and do something in tech. You can love accounting and do so. I mean, it's just here. It's embedded. It's everywhere. And so, do so I think? And Joel, maybe this goes back to earlier. You know, my story about my teacher who didn't see me is that, and my kind of path is. I've known from elementary school that I wanted to be of service and in service, but my parents did not work in the nonprofit sector. No one in my family worked in the nonprofit sector. I did not know that there were jobs like this. I knew what my heart said, I knew what my passion was, but I didn't know how I turned that into a job. So I remember the day I was sitting on my front porch with my aunt filling out my application, my college application. I said, "What are you going to major in?" <laughs> I should not say but it was like, "Oh, I like to write. I'm going to journalism." Right? That was that was the deep thought that went into me deciding what my major was going to be because I didn't know. I hadn't had an experience. I had run fundraising campaigns as a kid. I didn't, but did not make those connections. So that's why I think it's so important for our kids early on to have these different experiences, especially kids who are out of families who have limited access, because if if your mom or your dad didn't didn't do something in particular industry, how would you know? I know for sure that I didn't want to be a nurse because my mom was a nurse, I knew that for sure. But I didn't know a lot of alternative, but what do I want to be, right? I mean, so it's, it's these kind of experiences that kids can have to really get a better understanding of what is available to them.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Um... So from our, our research, it looks like you do a lot of highlighting of, of student stories and experiences, and that's always good. I mean, we, we want to know what you're doing. And, and more importantly, that those student spotlights give us a better idea of kind of the practical application of what you're doing. Tell us a little bit more about those student spotlights and why you decided to do those and then, you know, any feedback that you've received from that.
1: Yeah, I think it's important for people to, uh, I think that people you connect a lot more sometimes when you see people that look like you or have similar experiences in you. And so a lot of the work that we're trying to do, Joelle, is bring in um, students who have been traditionally underrepresented in this computer science and technology space. And so I love, you know, the white guys that are volunteering from us and getting out there and going wherever we'll send them. And it's great for them to be super allies, right? But if they're standing in front of a classroom of all African American students and they're saying, Yeah, we need you, there's a great space for you here, but that kid's not seeing themselves in, in that person that's talking to them, you know, or when you think about the fact you ask kids sometimes to name people that work in the technology sector who are leaders in the sector, you guys probably know who I would name, you know, and who they named, right? It's Bill Gates, it's Mark Zuckerberg. And and I heard that it was when you asked about a woman, kids were saying Siri. Which is just deep to me <laughs> that, that was the, the woman that take a name in, in that space because that's a whole different issue but so again, you know I think for our kids to see kids and young people that look like them, you know we're very intentional about the undergrads that we you know recruit into our fold a number of the, the undergrads that come to work with us used to be tech core kids um, students, and so, so that's always exciting. I mean, I was in one of our classrooms doing a site visit and the young woman who now is a software developer at JPMorgan Chase, but came back to, to work for us. And she could say to these kids who, you know, seven years ago, was well, she sitting in their very seat. She was right there, Columbus City Schools. And she said, hey, I was, I was on this other side and this is where I'm at now and you can do this too, you know? And so... For those kids hearing her and seeing her and understanding, yeah, she started exactly where I started out, that I think it, it just becomes more real. And so, so Joelle, I think about all these kids that have come through tech Corps programs as my kids. And so I'm always wanting to put them up there and, and let them talk and, and tell because I think the industry is missing a lot by not being more inclusive. I think a lot of times with the kids that we're working with, that the ideas that are in that room, in that space that haven't yet risen up to the top, that these are the things that could change this world that we live in if we can get our kids in the room and to these tables. And so that's the work that we're trying to do.
2: And I want to, because you hit on there at the end, you know, saying that the industry is missing a lot. You have had, you you talked early on about some of the partnerships that you have and how it's been consequential in your uh, expansion into different areas and even across the country and so on and so forth. Uh, And and I know in my experience in working with Tech Corps, I think one of the things that that, um, highlight for me is when I was working for Columbus State Community College, and we did a program that was sponsored by AEP for Columbus City Schools at Franklin University, right? (laughs) It was like all these people had to come together to kind of make all, you know, like five, six, seven different partners that all kind of made that thing work. Talk about partnership what the highlights on partnership and how key that is to what you're doing, um, both public and private partners.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, and this goes back to our mission. I mean, our mission focuses around people, partners, programs. And so partnership has been baked in from the beginning and who we are as an organization. We're also a thin team, right? So we've got to, we've got to be good at, at partnerships. And so I always like to establish what I call mutually beneficial relationships. Um, So, you know, we've got some great private sponsors who, who are investing in us in multiple ways, right? So not just financially, but with their folks coming out as volunteers, with us doing other kind of specialized projects together. And that's what we like to do is to really think about not just walking in the door and holding out my hand and say, write me a check. so we can turn around and do some good work. But to really sit down and think about what could we do together to benefit our community if we brought together the things that, the kind of our core competencies. And so I think you mentioned the relationship with Columbus State, that it was multifaceted. Um, So, and I think with a lot of our our long-term, we've got partners that have been with us for 20 years. And, And the partnership looks different because as they're, Corporation has changed and priorities have shifted, but, you know, but we've always found a way to come together and, and do work in, in the community. So so that's a huge part of who we are and who we'll always be because there's so much work to be done. And we, we're looking for not only those kind of partnerships around corporations, but also those, par- those partnerships around engagement. When course started, we only worked in schools initially. We only worked in schools. And then as we continue to grow, we realize kids are in a lot of places. And so let's think about all the places we can go. Everywhere there's kids and there's some tech or there's an opportunity to drop some tech, we're going. And so now that is a number of youth serving nonprofit organizations. We do work in rec centers. We do work in churches. We do work wherever we can go and we can access some technology and some kids we're going to go. And so I think that for us has allowed us to really expand our reach because we weren't just thinking about that school day and that school building. We were now saying we can go community-wide and that that's been tremendous, you know, in terms of getting the kids and getting to them often in right where they live.
0: That is, great. that is great. great, great. So with regard to, uh, I guess, the recruitment of the volunteers and the staff members, something that I also see a lot too uh, within uh, working at OSU and can uh, chime in if you like as well. Um, I learn a lot from our students. So we to my, I guess my question more so: We you bring you know individuals on. Are they trained usually by you know students that you know been in the program, or you know these are staff members that have been on the your guys' team? Great question. Um, so
1: our trainings for our instructors, our whole process, right? So we've had a number of instructors who said that was the most difficult interview I've ever had in my life, uh, and part of the reason is because, and I was just sharing this with somebody, we might have one chance to get in front of that kid. And so what I don't wanna do is we blow it because we put somebody in front of them who may have the content knowledge, but has no passion and no belief in everybody's opportunity, access and ability to do this work. So we're really looking. So and when it comes to Brendan preparing our instructors to go out, Again, they're content experts. They get the tech piece of it. They're, you know, they're computer science, they're engineering. So we don't have to teach them that. What we have to teach them is about that student engagement, that pedagogy, right? And so we do that training here as a team and our trainings are built around research. So we're always looking at what does an equitable classroom look like, Like, what do those those strategies look like, what what are culturally sensitive, you know, um, instruction, what does that look like. So we're always um, kind of studying that so that we can embed that into our training and then also we will bring in folks who are subject matter experts to also do some instruction with with the instructors that we work with, so that they begin to understand. We did a session one time where we went out and did did some site visits of one of the instructors, and we mapped in that classroom where they continued to go. And at the end of the day, we went over that with them, and we found that they were kind of focusing their attention on this one small group of kids, this little small group of what happened to be all boys, you know? And so we looked at, we just brought their attention to how many hands didn't go up, how some kids just aren't going to speak up, but they'll still need that connection. And so it's stuff like that, that we're talking to our instructors about, because we do want to make sure that when kids come to a tech core program, that they they feel safe and they feel seen. And that means being intentional about that.
2: That's, that's wonderful. As we wrap up here, I, one question that I wanted to get your your thoughts on is what's next? What is the the technology that you see down the road? I had an opportunity here to hear a talk from uh, Tim O'Reilly one time. He said, you know, innovation is not being part of the parade, but seeing where the parade is going and jumping out in front of it kind of situation. So what do you see is the, the opportunity for us or for TechCorp? You know, what innovations are on the horizon that you see, hey, you know what, we need to do a little more investment in this or what have you already invested in to say we can we can connect students to this to get them ahead of the game essentially for uh for innovation and being developers uh instead of being consumers going forward
1: Oh, that's a big question um joelle (laughs) um so i'll tell you about how we determine our what's next our board um Includes a number of CIOs and technology leaders from different industries. And I also have a, a group in my kitchen cabinet, if you will, um, that inform us of those very things, you know, the things that they're seeing, that they're feeling, that they're missing. And so it is through conversations with them because they are very open. I know you mentioned you interviewed Doug McCullough <laughs> and who Doug is on my board, you know. And so through our board discussions, A lot of them will say, um, so for example, a number of years ago, one of our board members was the CIO at American Electric Power and he was going on about cybersecurity. I mean, and this was early. And I put that on a sticky note in my office and eventually we received funding to develop that. And so it really is them informing us because I'm, you know, again, I'm I'm not a computer scientist, right? So I'm not gonna profess to know that what's next. But I will tell you that we have a regular group around our table that is helping us think through those very things. And so um, for us last year, it was around, we did some work around data analytics and actually partnered with the women in analytics around some funding and then brought together leaders in the industry to take them through kind of this facilitated session where we were picking their brain and all of the information that we got, our developers took back and we developed data analytics lessons for kids in elementary, middle, and high school um, that we embedded in programs. And so it's those same types of things where we'll, you know, we'll hear and then we'll bring together some experts, pick their brain and then think about, okay, but how does this translate for a third grader? So our ears are always open to kind of to that, that what's next. But can I just say this in terms of, this is where I thought you were gonna go with this question in terms of this moment and the what's next too that I hope that I'll see is that we have seen where we still have a lot of work to do if we really want to be inclusive and we want to make sure that access and exposure is equitable. And so I hope that this just isn't a moment in time for us. You know, I really do hope that it's the beginning of a movement. For those of us who have been in this space of saying with Gotta make sure we're doing more. I hope that more people will see that it is an imperative for us as as a country and as a world of being more intentional and, and focusing in and, and doing the hard work. So that's kind of where I hope yeah. <laughs> hold on to.
2: No, that's that's wonderful. And I'm glad that you added that piece in there because we can't continue to look forward without actually also considering who we bring along with us, right? So that's an important um, piece. Well. Thank you for your time. I mean, really uh, wonderful conversation and, and wonderful insight from you and what TechCorp is doing, uh, not only here in Central Ohio, but the state of Ohio and, and now nationwide, right? And so when I first was introduced to TechCorp 10, 15 years ago, you know, so it has become uh, a, a much needed pillar in, in work that we're doing to educate uh, young people about computer science. I want to give you an opportunity to tell us and, and tell our audience about training for, for teachers. You hit on it a little bit earlier, but if you can tell like what it is, how they can access it, so on and so forth.
1: So we've always got new stuff, um, and, and a majority of everything that we offer is free, both for our teachers and our kids. So I would encourage people to go to our website, uh, which is techcore.org. Um, they can sign up for the newsletter and then make sure that they're first to, to find out about some of these activities. But we'll be offering a professional development for elementary school teachers from around Central Ohio in computer science and math in the fall. Um, That'll probably be a virtual (laughs) session now. Uh, We're in the process of building it, but with support from the Ingram White Castle Foundation. That's free for teachers who teach in Central Ohio. So I'd encourage them to come to the website, contact us, so that they can get on that distribution um, when that that application goes, goes live for folks to apply. Um, and then we also still have some spots available in some of our virtual techie camps this summer. So for middle school kids, so folks that are listening that have got middle school kids that want something cool to put them in, go ahead and get signed up for that.
2: Wonderful, wonderful. Well, again, thank you for joining us, Lisa. And we look forward to more information about what TechCore is, is doing. And and hopefully our audience will be on the lookout for more information on what you're doing and how they can be a part and, um, and again, thank you for your time.
1: Thank you both. Thanks for having these important conversations. Appreciate it. Thank you.
2: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Digital From Day One podcast. Make sure you visit our website at go.osu.edu forward slash digital day one, the number one, where you can find out how to subscribe, more information about our guests, and more information about our team. As always, we'd love to know what you think. Use the feedback form on the website, or you can shoot us an email at, from day one at osu.edu. The one is actually spelled out here. Or simply give us a rating on iTunes. And we'd appreciate if you tell your friends about our little show here too. As always, I'm Joelle, and that's Brendan. Let's continue to make the connections to opportunity stronger. Until next time, everybody.